This Choircast podcast episode is brought to you by Religious Refugees, Deconstructing Towards Spiritual and Emotional Healing. Have you been questioning your faith and spiritual beliefs while leaving the familiarity of your religious homeland? Have you been negatively affected by toxic religion, knowing in your heart of hearts there must be a more liberating spiritual way? Have you experienced loneliness, isolation, and fear of rejection from religious others just because you are a more inclusive, creative, and expansive person? Join the legion of others on the road to healing and self-discovery and let Dr. Mark Karras' book, Religious Refugees, be your guide. The mind that was in Jesus, that mind is in me. Without me, life has no meaning. Why would God tell you what I'm thinking and tell you what I've said to my wife or my husband when you're not around? It's because I'm the pastor of the church and I need to know. This is the only place where you can see truth. Hey, heathens. You're listening to the Deadly Faith Podcast, where religion and crime collide. I'm Lola. And I'm Lacey. This is a weird intro. And this shit is Japanese. Anyway. (laughs) I mean, I can't think of any other word. I can't think of a word. This is our second uh, case to record tonight, guys. So bear with us as we are delusional slightly. I mean, I kind of want to use the same word that I used on the last case, 9-11, because this is a terrorist type of event. It, technically, it is. No idea about this case. Yeah, it's terrifying. It's terrorizing. It's terrorism. This shit is terrorism. How about that? This shit is terrorism. All right, yeah. then. Here we go. Welcome back to another episode, guys. We love you, and we're so glad you're here today. Yes. Yeah, do we have any trigger warnings for this case? I didn't give trigger uh, warnings for, for the last one, case in the beginning, but they are always in the show notes. Yes, trigger for this would be murder, chemical warfare, biological warfare, terrorism. Damn. I think that's it. That biological warfare is terrifying. It sounds, say warfare after anything. Kitten warfare, (laughs) earbud warfare, Starbucks warfare. It's just uh, the whole thing. I am down for some Starbucks warfare. What? (laughs) Like Starbucks warring with other people or other... No, I was just thinking about like, like cartoon Duncan? coffee cups, like going after it and like... Oh, that's funny. With straws? Their swords are straws? <laughs> Raining down coffee? I don't know. That sounds like my day. Oh, they catapult beans at each other instead of like yes. flaming fireballs. <laughs> it's a roasted bean. We need somebody out there that does like animation Someone to turn make a into a short. This. Yes, because this sounds amazing. Okay. With our voiceover on top of it. I oh my gosh, like God. kitten warfare. Uh, yeah. That, that reminds awesome. me of that game, Exploding Kittens. I think that's what it's called. That's I could be game. wrong. I think I it's a game. I didn't know that's a game. Okay, I don't, never mind. I don't know anything, <laughs> so jot that down. Uh, are you ready to hear I'm about ready. this? I'm let's, ready. Let's jump into this. I have no idea what this case is about. Good, as you shouldn't. Besides um, what you just said. <laughs> I also just want to say something to all of my Japanese friends out there. I'm from Alabama. I sound like cornbread. I sound like cornbread. I sound like cornbread and okra. And (laughs) let me tell you, if I mispronounce something, I apologize. However, I did study up on the diction and pronunciation of a lot of things to try to help me out. Mm -hmm. We'll see how it goes. 
Make fun of me all you want. Whatever. I am never going to get sound like cornbread and okra out of my head. I think that's <laughs> hilarious. And, you know, it's okay. accurate. As somebody from the South, like, I get that. It's, yeah. it's a very accurate saying. Sometimes my accent doesn't come through unless I say something really quickly. And I talk yes. quickly when I present sometimes. So everyone's very confused when I tell them I was born and raised in Texas because they're like, wait, you don't have an accent. I don't know I how. Know. You really I didn't don't. Get You're in. very neutral. I really don't know how I didn't get one. Um, my mom doesn't have much of one. My that's dad, why. though. Oh, that's a whole different story. Is he he's cornbread? Very, he's, oh. Sweet tea? He, he's cornbread, sweet tea, and a... Fried chicken? Uh-huh. Bucket of fried chicken. Like it's, there you go. Yeah, that's my dad. I love that so much. Yeah. Hi, Lacey's All dad, right. if you're listening. I know. I okay. Know he does. Uh, today, I am talking about Shoko Asahara. Girl, that's it, This great. is a male, I just okay. want to say, in case... Okay. You needed to know that. Okay. So Shoko, this is not his real name. This is not his birth name. Okay. Eh, I don't know. It's not really that big of a deal. But this wasn't his name until he started his religion. Whatever. Okay. I'm going to call him Shoko the whole time because it's easier for me to say, to be honest. And he's never referenced as his older name in anything that I found. So... Yeah. Shoko was born on March 2nd of 1955 to a very poor family of mat makers, which is apparently a specialty. I mm-hmm. don't know anything, but uh, like I've said before, I don't know anything. <laughs> My fiance, Andrew, has told me that there are a lot of specific specialties in Japanese, like uh, manufacturing for like prayer mats. And like different oh. types of calligraphy ink that generate a lot of money, actually. So like there's these like precious types of products that are made and they can go for a lot, but sometimes they're made by people that are paid really poorly. So that's mm. unfortunate. And Sweat, that was the case. Sweatshops? Is that what Kind of like that. Kind of like, like a sweatshop. So yeah, he was born to a, a poor family in Japan. He was born with something called infantile glaucoma. So he was blind in his left eye and had partial sight in the right eye. Oh. So he could still make out some, like, figures and some light things. I don't know exactly what his sight was like, but he overall could not see very well. So he was enrolled in a school uh, that was for people with eyesight disabilities, blindness, what have you. Mm. And he was actually one of the only kids there that had partial sight, there was just a couple of them that did. So he was popular. Oh. He was popular in some ways because, like, I can see some stuff. I can describe things to you. I can, like, Because all the I other kids are, like, really, like, we're fully blind. Yes. And so he had a for sure. up. He did, yeah. But also, here's something. He <laughs> became a bully <laughs> because oh, he could. It. He could partially see. So he had the advantage. He could, like, mess with you. He could steal your stuff. He stole um, money from other kids. And just, you know, I know. Yeah. Not really sure like where this stemmed from. I couldn't find much on like his parents if they were like, I don't know, bullies as well. Mm -hmm. So I don't know anything about them. Dang. Yeah, that's how he was during school. He was semi-popular, but also a bully. So you wanted to stay on his good side from what I could tell. Once he had graduated school, he wanted to pursue medicine. So he wanted to go to med school and become a doctor. That's, Unfortunately, that's with it, it is, it is. Yeah. I am really impressed. He is a very 
ambitious person we will find. So she said, well, you said, you said he started a cult. So like, you know, you know how they go. Ambitious. I mean, and really, really. Yeah. Yeah. He couldn't get into med school though because of his glaucoma. Because of his disability, which is really sad. And honestly, it's not something I've thought of before uh, because we give so many like equal opportunities to people with disabilities now. But like, I had never thought of like something like that eh, hindering you. But it does make sense. When when did you say this was? Because he was born in the this was in he was born in fifty five, so it was around the seventies, seventies, mid seventies ish. Yeah, yeah. There wasn't as equal so opportunity. And Mm -hmm. you definitely understand too at the time with what they were working with in medicine. It's like "Eh, maybe you need to have full sight. You know, yeah. He couldn't do that, so he decided I'm going to pursue law and be a lawyer and all that good stuff. Uh, Unfortunately, he did not pass his exams. So he settled for acupuncture and studying Chinese medicine. Okay. He's still, all of this is very ambitious. It is. And it's honestly, it's impressive for someone with this type of disability, in my opinion. Exactly. In this time, because this was in 77 that he decided to to study acupuncture, which needles and the no eyesight, I'm wondering things, but... I did not put that together. I know acupuncture doesn't only deal with needles. It's like just pressure points, you know, it can be different. Have you ever had acupuncture done before? I never have. Okay, I have multiple times. Oh my God. Is it beneficial? It is. Um, okay. I will say, okay, so I got it for my tailbone. Birthing children is fun. <sighs> um, I was going to ask, it just, was it post-birth? It does some wonderful things. And it did okay. some great things to my tailbone that were absolutely positively painful. Uh, and so um, I got adjusted multiple times. That didn't help. Okay. Um, I got physical therapy. Or I got acupuncture and that helped, but it was very temporary. The only thing, and you know, you know, fuck it, TMI on a public platform. The only thing that helped me was getting physical therapy and it was an internal adjustment of my tailbone. An internal adjustment? I don't know what that means. Well, they had to go inside. You don't have to go into... They had to go inside. I don't know how else to say that. I just, (laughs) I need to know, I need to watch a YouTube video on how they They, do that. uh, uh, Do you know what a prostate exam is? Yes. Okay, so basically that, but she literally adjusted my tailbone. By and that's crazy. It was the most awkward thing, and I had it done multiple times. But I am telling you, it is Ah. the only thing that cured my pain, and I was in severe pain. Hey, couldn't sit to stand, kind of thing. Maybe you just gave some people out there some new solutions to say, you know, talk with their doctor. If you have major tailbone after giving or tailbone pain after giving birth, just go to a pelvic floor physical therapist and have them shove their finger up your butt. You know, (laughs) pelvic floor therapy is amazing. It's amazing. And I loved my pelvic floor therapist. She was awesome. And to this day, she's like one of my favorite people. But yeah, it helped. But uh, acupuncture, I will say, really did help relieve the pain. Okay. Um, But it was very temporary. And so physical therapy is actually what actually cured me. Um, Uh. But I have had it. I've had it on my back. I've had it on my body. I've had it while I was pregnant. But there's a lot of, and there's are tiny needles. So I'm trying to understand how he would have studied acupuncture 
with partial sight. I'm well, I, I know, know that he read a lot too. So like maybe he wasn't watching demonstrations as much as just reading a lot on it mm-hmm. and becoming acquainted that way. He didn't. Yeah. I, from my understanding, he it says he studied it. I don't know if he practiced it. Okay. So I could be wrong there, but I did not see anything about practicing it. Okay. But okay. he did practice Chinese medicine. Okay. Which... Lots of like herbal remedies and, uh, you know, things like that. Apothecary. So, yes. Here's something though. In 1982, he opened a pharmacy to sell Chinese medicine supplements and was shut down for selling fake remedies. He was arrested and convicted. Well, shit. Yeah. Your ambition went just. (sighs) you're ambitious to make money scams that sucks yeah it does suck because I am not sure if it was like once you learn all the things that happened I'm not sure if it was with the good intentions of healing Mm -hmm. or something more sinister oh god in this same like part of his life before and after the arrest uh, Mm -hmm. he was studying a lot of like astrology Taoism Toga I said toga, I meant yoga. <laughs> I don't know what's wrong with me. You said toga, and I was like, toga, toga. One like, of those like uh, dress wrap things. I know. Um, okay. That's what I was Yeah, my, my words got mis- mixed up. So Taoism and yoga and Buddhism. He was like super interested in these types of things. Um, and so he okay. read up on them a lot. Very well-read person. Uh, he also, just side note, he got married uh, pretty soon after, he, like, left oh. the whole, like, studies of acupuncture and mm-hmm. medicine and stuff. So before the pharmacy opened, he he was married. Um, she oh. actually gave him six kids. Damn. Yeah. Not, like, all at once or anything, but over time, but they had six kids together. So, yeah, super yeah. cool. Like I said, he's becoming obsessed with different religious aspects. He's dabbling to and fro with different things, and he's wanting to achieve the ultimate enlightenment. That was his goal, is just to be the most enlightened guru person ever Mm. with spirituality. Here's that ambition. I know. It's like, I totally understand, because I'm always looking for ways to level up spiritually, Mm -hmm. and just like, seek out like different ways that my spiritual path can go, because I know a lot of people think of spiritual path as like you can go down this fork in the road or the other fork. But really, you can go down the fork in the road and then there's a branch off of that and a branch off of that and a branch off of that. So like you're constantly walking the spiritual path even if you don't mean to. And sometimes you just kind of like branch off to different things. Yeah. And that's fine. And that's, yeah, my spiritual journey is like the complete opposite. I'm like, eh. Totally fine. Fuck it all. Totally fine. That's kind of where I'm at. That is also a spiritual journey, believe it or not. <laughs> but I do, I do enjoy learning about like tarot cards and things like oh, that. Yes. Oracles, magic. Yeah, and I, I don't believe in it. And I know the other wonders people believe of the in world. it. Like my brother is very much in the like Wiccan type belief system. Glenn. I don't know. I don't, I don't, yeah, he's very much into that. And I I listen and I'm like, that's awesome. I'm not there. I don't believe that. I don't think I ever Mad will. respect, but you just don't practice it. But I, exactly, exactly. But I like learning about it because, and that's my ex-Christian, like, 
not not being allowed to. And I'm like, well, I want to go into bed. And- <laughs> yeah, for sure. And yeah. and I think he was also just really into learning. Like he really was a lifelong learner in a lot of ways, which I yeah. think is a, a nice aspect about Shoko. He must have like decent sight of some sort because he was, you said, well-read. Braille. So. Braille. Remember Braille. Yeah, but when did Braille come out? 1824. Yeah, it's been a thing for a while. I, yeah, okay. I was way wrong. Sorry. We are more advanced than I'm giving us credit I for. knew it was very old. I <laughs> knew it was very like, old, but... Was Braille out in the 70s? <laughs> Jesus Christ, See, Lacey. Okay. <laughs> Just making myself look like a fool on the internet. <laughs> no, no. I mean, I'm sure a lot of people don't know when Braille was invented. So that's just a good thing to, you know, mm-hmm. lock in your noggin. So we've we've had it for a while. Yeah. I mean, okay. it's an amazing okay. thing. So like I said, I, I don't really know how much sight he did have. Mm-hmm. So he could have actually been reading books with the one eye or just utilizing <laughs> Braille. Don't say, don't, I knew I would get you with the one eye. It's okay. We can I'm laugh scared. at him. We can laugh at him. because No, no, I don't want to laugh at him. I don't. I can laugh at him later. No, we can laugh guy, at him. We're not I laughing just, at I'm not. Okay. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I do not mean to be offensive. But you said his with reading the one with eye. one eye. And so I just envisioned a you, pirate. I know. Trying to read. Like squinting one eye and opening My the My brain other. went there. I am so sorry. Okay. So yeah. <laughs> Maybe he relied on both. Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? Okay. So... Obsessed with religion. Mm -hmm. He studied ancient religious texts, tarot, divination classes. You know, he meditated, everything. But nothing was helping him to achieve enlightenment. So he actually ended up joining a religious Buddhist group called Aganshu in early early 1880. So I'm backtracking a bit from the pharmacy. Okay. So this is... Okay. I'm following. following. Yeah, I jumped forward a little bit so I could tell you that because... Give yeah, you a little whatever. background of his crimes. <laughs> yeah, crimes. Yeah. So he became part of this group. Being part of the group, actually, they, they have a lot of strict practices. One mm. of them was being, it's called the a thousand consecutive days of offering. So that is 1,000 days consecutively of giving money. Mm. I think that means giving money to community or to people okay. in need or to something like that. I don't think it's like to an organization. Oh, okay. Well, that makes me feel a little better. It's not, he, I don't believe he was part of a cult. I think from what I'm gathering of, of Aganshu, it was, you're giving money to other people. And this was Buddhist. Yeah, it's Buddhist. Okay, so, then yeah, yeah, yeah. I would see that, I could see that being more, Which is not materialistic at all. Exactly. So I could see them being like giving back to your community. I could see that. Exactly. So this is a really rare thing to be able to accomplish the 1,000 consecutive day practice. I feel like they're all trying to do it, but like some of them are limited on funds, but, and he Mm -hmm. especially was limited on funds. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. Yeah, that's just, but that's like what, three, just under three years? Yes. Damn. Yes, that's right. Yeah, for 1,000 days, you give money. Uh, he did complete this practice, but he was not financially well, as I said before. At the time that he had like joined this, which was around 1980, 81, mm-hmm. uh, him, his wife, and he had two daughters at the time, 
were living in a one-bedroom apartment. No extra money flying about. I mean, wow. I, from what I gather, he was the breadwinner. Yeah. And not making much because he was running that pharmacy that eventually was shut down. So, mm. yeah. Skipping back forward, you know, the pharmacy, all the fake, fake stuff, fake, fake remedies. Fake remedies. Yeah. Yeah, okay, so he had to go to trial and stuff, and he was convicted, and he, whatever. Uh, So after his, like, crisis of faith and, like, going through the trial and stuff, he was, like, having to, like, pay things back and all that and figure out how to make money for his family. He began holding meditation and yoga sessions Okay. for his, like, friends and mm-hmm. for anyone that was just like seeking spirituality, mm-hmm. these would become his disciples. Oh, just hold okay. hold on to that for me. Uh, all alrighty. He was not charging for these classes. Firstly, he was not taking any money. He said, "I can't take money. I uh, that's not what I'm here for." Okay. So you know he's doing these. So in 1987, a couple of years later. After hosting all of these like different meditation things and yoga and like still studying religious stuff and and trying to enlighten himself further, he's like kind of plateauing. He's like, let me go to India. And uh, after he took this trip to India, he came back and he told his disciples, I have reached the ultimate enlightenment. Sure. He said (laughs) that a god. So he was meditating on the beach in India. And a god descended from the heavens and approached him and called him the god of light, called Shoko the god of light, Mm. and said that he would lead armies. And after he told them all this, he said, I actually, now that I've reached full enlightenment, I can accept money from you guys. Oh, what? I didn't realize that was a prerequisite what kind of thing. A coincidence. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Also, like, can, <laughs> can they just admit, like, okay, I might have been on some shrimps during that meditation. <laughs> I am also wondering if there were some fake herbal remedies yeah. in there. I don't know. I'm yeah. speculating. Uh, total speculation, but I could, I could follow that. Who knows? Who knows? So... He began telling his his disciples and his followers, jot that down, we're getting followers now. Oh, and we're expanding. Okay. He told them that he learned how to levitate. There's actually an iconic picture of him what? levitating. What? It is true. You can go find that picture. We'll put it up on our Instagram when we launch no. this episode. He, I think he wrote a book and it's on the cover of the book. Okay, we, okay hold on. We know this is fake, right? Like he's not what? really levitating. He's not really. I levitating. can't. I can't confirm or deny. Go look at the picture. But it, they've never confirmed or denied that this is a real or fake photo. I don't know. I, I don't <sighs> know. Okay, keep going. I'm going to keep All I read is that there's a picture of it. There's an iconic picture of him levitating. And I saw it in different like resources because he was claiming that he could levitate. He could control the weather and he could also read minds. Damn. So like telekinesis. Te- that is what telekinesis is, right? It's, yes, that's what that means. Tele- 
Yeah, telekinesis is you can read minds because teleportation is you can move around. Right. Well, telepathy is where you can move objects, right? Correct. Okay. Yeah, so telekinesis, I I believe, is reading minds. Okay, hold on, hold on. Yeah. Hold on. In this picture of him levitating. I know. his, His hair is sticking straight up. Yeah. So, like, is he upside down? I have no idea. Because this was back in the 80s. I don't think Photoshop was really <laughs> there. <laughs> I have questions. I, have so I, questions. I also have several questions. Yeah. These will not be answered, probably. God damn it. Yeah. Um, so in the days following his return, you know, he's, he's claiming all these things. And Shoko and his followers then decide they're going to pool their money and start up a multiple-day yoga seminar and, like, spiritual seminar. So Shoko was leading all the classes and working individually with a lot of these people. And a lot of people showed up for it. And then he decided, I want to form my own religion because I have reached the ultimate enlightenment. I can help people. I can lead them to light. As the god of light. Fuck. Nothing ever good. Nothing good ever comes from somebody being like, I want to start my own religion. I have all the answers. Listen to me. Uh, Yeah. We have been down this road. It is well-traveled and it is just covered in bodies of of dead people, of broken people, of traumatized people. We've done this. You can't even count the bodies. You can't can't stop. And you know what? When did Satanic Panic get its get its whole start? It's the seventies. Hell yeah, seventy nine, seventy nine to eighty. I think. So was guess the... who's seeking out religion and enlightenment? All these followers. Oh, because this is in early eighties. Yeah, <sighs> it all comes full circle. So. This religion, though, this would be a hybrid of his own beliefs that stemmed from Buddhism, mm-hmm. Hinduism, Taoism. And Christianity, which are heavily wow. different things Vastly when sat side by side. So it's a yeah. lot of cherry picking, which like, you know, whatever. Welcome to religion. I want to go ahead and give a brief overview of, of each of these um, so that okay. everyone's a little bit more educated. You can obviously do your own research. I'm giving you a very brief little thing on each of them that I have pieced. So. Uh, Buddhism is one of the largest religions in the world. It originated probably like 2,500 years ago in India. And Buddhists normally believe that the human life is that of suffering and meditation and spiritual and physical labor. And that good behavior are the ways to achieve enlightenment or nirvana, which is kind of like a heaven, bliss, enlightenment stage. Yeah, kind of like a high. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's a beautiful religion. Nothing wrong with it at all. Not shooting anything down there. It does not create serial killers. Amen. Hinduism. They typically would view the entire universe as gods and everything in the universe as God. So pretty much the belief that every person is interested intrinsically divine and the purpose of their life is to seek and realize the divinity within each of us and it's non 
exclusive accepting of like all religious paths and everything. So mm-hmm. also a great thing. Several benefits. This does not create serial killers. <laughs> Correct. Uh, Taoism, which I literally had no idea anything about yeah. this in the slightest. I haven't heard of Taoism in years. Yeah, I don't remember what it is, but I've heard of it. Yeah, because it's it's closely synced with, with Buddhism. Okay, that's what my guess was going to be, was that it was in some kind of relation to them. Yeah, so Taoism has been connected to Lao Tzu, who wrote the main book of Taoism, the Tao Te Ching. I think that's how you say it. Hey, you're doing really good. I would be butchering all of these. So like in my <laughs> book, you're doing good. I am cool. also a white woman. So yes, um, we're very stuff. uncultured swine over here. So <laughs> right. uh, Taoism holds the belief that humans and animals should live in balance with Tao or the universe. Mm. So mm-hmm. the belief in spiritual immortality where the spirit and the body join joins the universe after death. So like it, some reincarnation things, I believe, okay. stem from this. I could Is be it like wrong. a you are one with the earth? Pretty much, kind of yeah. Thing. Like okay. the, you, there's a scene in Bob's Burgers. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> this really makes me think of it though, where okay. he's trying to acclimate his palate. I forgot what episode. I'll put it in the show notes. <laughs> um, Bob's Burgers. <laughs> The episode where he's trying to, like, make his palate super amazing, like this one chef that he really admires. So uh-huh. he's trying to, like, uh, visualize himself as the ingredients. And there's this whole <laughs> song that he sings. And he's, like, the lettuce. He's the burger. He's the cow. He's the grass. He's <laughs> he's the person eating it. He's the stomach digesting it. He's, like, he's every, he's every single thing part of this experience, which is, like, really cool. And I feel like it kind of simulates some of what Taoism is maybe okay. trying to simulate. Okay, I can, I can follow. I could be wrong. I can follow that logic. And not just, not to, like, <laughs> divvy this whole belief system down to a Bob's Burgers episode, but, like, right. this is my best way of understanding it. And I just thought that was a cute anecdote, honestly. So That is a cute, I agree, I agree. But Taoism does not create a serial killer. It is also a beautiful, you know, religious path and... Obviously, we know about Christianity. Christianity does not create a serial killer. It is a good thing <laughs> if you don't abuse scripture. It is a beautiful Correct. religion. So all of these are great paths. And cherry picking from all of them is not necessarily the worst thing in the world. No, honestly, every religion denomination cherry picks from their Bible. Correct. And most of them cherry pick from paganism. <laughs> but no one wants to uh, yeah. have that conversation. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. <laughs> so he wanted to register his religion. Uh, he came up with the name. It's called Om Shinrikyo, which means supreme truth. So this is also when he changed his name to Shoko Asahara. Okay. I don't know. I feel like the names are, are linked, even just like visually. They look very similar, but oh, anyway, just a little bit. Just, I don't yeah. know. They have a lot of the same letters. I don't know. I, I have a really big problem when cults, it's literally every cult though, but like, it's like, we have the one truth. It's like, Are you talking about my church? <laughs> I know, right? My church too. Same. <laughs> oh. um, 
So he went to go register this religion with the Japanese government, and they were reluctant. This was something I read several, several times and heard a lot about in different documentaries about this cult, because Japanese authorities from the get-go were kind of like, so you think that you're a god, and you think you have the ultimate truth. Okay, uh... (laughs) How do we deal with this? But um, Shinrikyo, it lived on, and it was registered, and all right. (laughs) Okay. It became a... I think that's how you say it. Just a side note, in case you wanted to know that. Yeah, I'm assuming that in Japan, it's very much like religious freedom type laws, similar to America. What I'm understanding from a lot of Japanese culture is that religion really plays a smaller part in their lives than it does Mm. with us. So like they'll have their religion and keep it with themselves. It's a more like private and respected and honored thing like in a more intimate way. This is not to say that's the case for every single Japanese person. This just seems to be the overall consensus that I've drawn. Yeah from a lot of what I read about the way that they approach spirituality and, and enlightenment. So they're not like big into mega churches. I, no. Yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> Definitely no, not. No, no. <laughs> no. So this is why things like this with Om Shinrikyo birthed into society. It was uh, weird. It was weird. Hard for them to figure out. Yeah. And, and weird. You yeah. can also see why. That too, that piece of it, aside from calling yourself God, was a little bit alarming to the government. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, because they're like, this is private. Like, this is not how society here handles religion and spirituality. And now you're coming out. And typically, a lot of Asian cultures are just very like polite and they don't talk about things like this that are just very personal and like revered type things. So I think it was just a little bit weird because he was so forward about it kind of thing. Yeah. So Shoko began preaching on street corners, handing out pamphlets to like his religious like classes and courses, as well as calling himself the Holy Pope and Tokyo's Christ. No, he did not. You didn't think he'd go there, but he did. (laughs) The Holy Pope and Tokyo's Christ. Just sit with that for a moment, won't you? I don't even know how to digest that, like, at all. Now, when you do this, you catch attention, you know? How do you not? Well, he caught media attention. He was featured in magazine articles. His pictures were plastered everywhere. You know, he came out with his book where he's Mm -hmm. levitating on it. And he was featured on TV. He was, like, interviewed on a couple of different shows. He was shown... uh, There's this one clip. Oh, my God. I don't know what talk show he's on because I can't understand anything because I speak English like a fucking imbecile. Right. Same. (laughs) He's like touching this woman's like chest and then like her forehead, I think. And she's like shaking and kind of convulsing. And then he's like apparently like putting some kind of spirit energy into her or like relieving some kind of, I don't know spiritual ailment happening Mm -hmm. and they like interview her afterward how she's feeling and what it was like to like be touched by him and stuff like that so 
it's interesting, but they really were fascinated by him because of all his claims. It's getting off to me, those like uh, faith healers and yes, like Pentecostal the televangelist churches. Things. Yeah, the televangelist faith healers. Like, be healed, and they're like, yeah, hit you yeah. in the head. Yeah. Right, and knock you over and be like, oh, it's the Holy Ghost. By your hand. Exactly. Shit. Exactly. You know, his message to everyone was join us, become fully enlightened, or face the consequences of death and horrible different hellish places. And, oh, yeah. Uh, so, so very uh, fire and brimstone, like turn from your ways, be enlightened, or face For hell. sure. It's, for sure. Uh, it's a different name, but it's the same goddamn playbook every damn time. I, I know. It's it's all the same. Like, the the things that he would talk about uh, as the consequences and the different types of death that would come upon you, which is weird as to what he does later. Oh, God. But, I mean, it's just like, join me or die is kind of what it's bringing across to people. But it's offering a stress-free life. It's like, it's offering you a path to enlightenment where you have minimal stress and you have the freedom to reach your spiritual, like, potential, you know? As somebody who is pretty well-versed in in a lot of cults, Mm -hmm. I'm going to go out on a limb and say that his followers were not living a stress-free life. I'm just going to guess that. I'm just going to say that out loud until we, you know. Just wait until we get to the initiations. Just wait until that. Oh, shit. Okay. You think it's, yeah. Yeah. Something tells me I'm right. Stressful. Stressful. But everyone was becoming obsessed with him because he was becoming like an icon in Japan. So people wanted to touch him. Uh, They wanted to take some of his like food off of his plate or like, okay, this is gross. This is kind of gross but they would like try to get his hair and they would brew tea with his hair in it. No, no, no. I'm sorry. No, hell, fuck no. I'm gone. Send me to hell. Not doing that. Mm -mm. Yeah. Ew. Yeah. So yeah, because they believed he was so holy and that he would like heal them like Jesus would. I mean, he was... Okay, I'm sorry. Everybody who's listening, I need you to go Google a picture of this man. And I'm not trying to body shame or anything, but he he doesn't, he looks sweaty in every picture. Imagine and, brewing and that he hair. <laughs> like he does not bathe, okay? And yeah. ugh, I can't. Uh-uh. I agree. Uh-uh. He, he doesn't look clean all the time, uh-uh. for sure. I'm okay, sorry. you want to know about the initiations to Om? No. <laughs> the full name is Om Shinrikyo. Uh-huh. I'm just going to call it Om. Okay. So in order to join Om, you had to pay a hefty fine up to, oh. I think the person that paid the most was $8,000. Granted, this is back in like the 80s and 90s. Is, She's doing a conversion. Is, I was thinking, is this $8,000 American or I Japanese? 8000 Oh, shit. I don't even know. Because is it, what, is it yen? Is the, yes. Yeah, so 8,000. Oh, I don't even know the conversion between yen and the U.S. dollar. Oh, Google's great. It will give us. Great. 8,000 yen. <laughs> uh, oh. We haven't done a conversion in a minute, so. So Japanese yen, um, 8,000 is $55.84. In... <laughs> 
So it's not as hefty as we were thinking. Okay. But also, okay, hold on. That's in today's money. So hold on. What's $55? Or what year was this? Eight, 1980? I believe it was in 87. 87. 87, 88, something like that. Okay, so if it was 8,000 yen back then, okay, that would have been $55 American, which today would be $147. I mean, but still, throwing around a chunk of change like that. The price of joining your neighborhood MLM. (laughs) About, just about. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good correlation. (laughs) So you had to pay a fine, though. Uh, And you would undergo just a bunch of different initiations. I mean, there were a lot that were named, but some of which were drinking Shoko's blood. What? Immersion in hot baths, like boiling baths, or living underground. And yes, people did die during these, like, trainings. I am air quoting like crazy, trainings. No. It was an initiation, though. Yeah. And it was said that the cult would try to cover up these deaths and just like be like, oh, they disappeared or they ran away or I don't know. That's all speculation from a bunch of people. But yeah, they believed that the cult may have covered up deaths. So the people would die in these acts of spiritual enlightenment and initiation. Yep. And then they'd be like, oh, fuck. Doesn't seem stress-free to me, but. No. Really, no. it broke people. Like this whole this this whole system, it broke people and it used them to further their plans to bring more people into this religion and mm-hmm. honestly to overtake the government. God <laughs> damn it. It's always trying to take over the government. Like I said a minute ago, people were suspecting, like, as the cult was growing, people were being killed or disappearing, and people were growing suspicious because the people had been affiliated with the cult, and... They couldn't find them. No, yeah. So it was just all getting linked back towards uh, Om Shinrikyo. Mm-hmm. And there was a stir from the family seeking justice, or like... Rightfully so. No, yeah. I mean, and the the people that had left... And, like, their kids that had grown up in it or, like, were exposed to some of, like, the rituals and stuff, they were also seeking justice for, like, abuse, like, childhood abuse. Oh, God. I can't even imagine. So, it's 1989, the year that my Lord and Savior, Taylor Swift, was born. (laughs) I love her. Die for her. Love her. A lawyer called, oh, God, I'm going to say it wrong, Satskamono. Sex, Sats Kimono. Uh, that's what I'm going with. Okay. Uh, Sounds great. He w- yeah, he was representing children of the Om cult and like other people's, people that had disappeared, like their families. He was representing them. So he was out here like, fuck you, we're getting justice and I'm going to yes. blow the lid on your cult. Yeah, exactly. Awesome. So, okay. Yeah, he he was trying to help them to like recover from the abuse. He was he was seeking justice for them and uh, to try to find those missing or killed family members. Mm-hmm. So, unfortunately, this lawyer he was trying to get cult members to testify against Shoko. And in the process, he was targeted to be murdered. And the lawyer was beaten with a hammer. What? 
His wife was beaten, not with a hammer. <gasps> no. And they had a 14-month-old baby. Nuh-uh. The baby was injected with poison. What? And the couple was also injected with poison to ensure death. And then, uh, so Seth's kimono, he wasn't dying even after the hammer and the poison. Oh. So they strangled him to death. Oh, my God. Super gruesome. That's fucking horrific. Because you can't, I cannot imagine. <sighs> he knows that not only he is being targeted and beaten and injected, his wife is, it was she yeah, beaten he, as well? Yeah, he's, he's aware of what's happening He's aware the of that. And his baby and 18... I mean, they were asleep when the cult, like, cult members broke in. Shoko never broke in. Cult members did this. Well, of course he didn't break in. It's very Manson-like. It's very Manson. Exactly. Cult leaders never do the dirty. Yeah. So, unfortunately, Saskimono and his family, they did lose their lives trying to go against this cult and seek justice for the families. That is unfortunate. Rest in peace, rest in power. Because that is a super honorable thing that he tried to do. And Yeah. And he's targeted by somebody that's claiming to be God of light, the God of light. That See, that's the other thing. We got to take into consideration too. Um. So around the same time, Shoko was hoping to be appointed as the prime minister of Japan. Of course he was. God damn it, his, his ambition. He can't let his ambition go. He can't. No, oh it's gosh. not happening. Okay, so around the same time that he's hoping to get appointed as prime minister, uh, he was like rooting for certain political candidates, but... Uh, None of them worked out, apparently. There was like 24 different ones he was betting on. And <laughs> none of them worked out. So not really that enlightened. <laughs> not not really. Uh, so then he began to predict catastrophic end-of-the-world events kind oh, of thing. Okay. And at the same time, his cult members, his followers and disciples were gathering firearms and developing biological weaponry. Why did they do this? Is this because he did run for prime minister? They wanted to control followers and expand efforts to gain political control of the country through and, and like do away with like the evil people, the people that didn't want enlightenment, that didn't want this spirituality, you know? Oh, they're evil. If they yeah. don't want enlightenment. Okay, so we've got to For sure, them. for sure, you know. All right. So I'm going to just like, as briefly as I can, mention a couple of things. In uh, 92, they had medical missions uh, sent to Zaire to obtain samples of the deadly Ebola virus. In 93, OM begins research into production of chemical warfare, chemical agents that were deadly. So hold on. They're, they're gathering weapons. They're like planning to, you know, kill all these evil people who don't want enlightenment and like kind of take over politically, I guess. And Correct. they're also doing this at the same time. Yes. The the getting the traveling to where was it you said? Zare. Zare. I'm assuming that's another country. And, and uh, I think yeah. <sighs> Sorry, do you just purchase that? 
you just like go over and be like, hi, I would like one vial of the Ebola virus. May I purchase the one crack cocaine? Yeah. I, I, I don't know how exactly they were doing this, but apparently they were like jacks of all trades. Apparently. Also, in 93, uh, two OM members were found guilty of carrying dangerous chemicals on an airplane in Australia. I mean, they were going outside of Japan. This was a worldwide kind of thing happening. Jesus Christ. I'm born at this point. Yeah. I'm alive. So in 93, at the same time, OM began to create chemical weapons. You know, they had been like dabbling in some stuff to try to figure out, I guess, <laughs> how how the chemicals worked. Right. And all that. And uh, how to keep themselves safe. They're playing bad scientist. <laughs> Pretty much. I'm not seeing much about them being like, I don't know. They had people from all walks of life, medical, and, like, they did have some, like, scientists, you know, in there, I'm sure. But but not all of them were well-versed with these chemicals. So they built a facility where they were experimenting with all these different chemical weapons to take out enemies. But there was a residential community nearby that started experiencing health issues due to all the, like, chemicals in the air. So... They obviously started, like, protesting Om's practices. And Om (laughs) had said that the U.S. had released, they said the USA released chemicals to terrorize them. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And we already didn't have, like, a super nice relationship with Japan at the time. Mm -hmm. So it was believable. But uh, the facility was moved to another area that was uh, more out of, the, out of the way. Okay. Here's where we get to, I don't want to say one of the worst things they've ever done, because they've just done a lot of other things. I also, here, let me just go off the timeline, too. Uh, in 94, the cult also begins manufacturing AK-74s. Wow. Yeah, they also broke into the Tokyo Metropolitan Police Department in order to steal driver's license data. I don't know why they did that, but jot that down, I guess. They're they are just all over the place. They went from, yeah. like, let's be enlightened to let's take over the world and murder everybody that we don't like. Correct. That is a very big leap from one side of the spectrum to the other. They also... <sighs> They would just kill, like, random people in their way. So, like, there was a pharmacist that, you know, he was hanged and then burned in a microwave incinerator. What? What is a microwave incinerator? I don't want to know, to be honest. It's, oh, my God. Yeah, it was a whole thing. So there's lots of, like, little casualties along the way. It's very hard to keep up with it. Like, I'm skimming the surface. Okay, of all of this, uh, because there is just so much like death and violence that comes along with this cult. And all born out of the names of these four different religions that have nothing to do with violence or death, you know? Yeah. Let's fast forward. It's 1995, and the cult released a nerve gas called serine in the Tokyo subway system during oh. rush hour. Cult members boarded like a normal citizen carrying the liquid. So this is a liquid form. Okay. And used, uh, so like they they would have the bags, I believe, in like a backpack that they would set on the ground. And they would use a umbrella, the metal tips on umbrellas. They would use that to puncture the bag and then immediately leave the train station. 
13 people total were killed (gasps) and about 5,500 people were injured. Oh. This was a horrific, horrific event. People had blood running out of every orifice and they were in serious pain. So what I, someone in the medical field had described it as if you are exposed to sarin gas for like any extended period of time, you know how you, for my women out there with the uteruses, Mm -hmm. you know when it's that time of the month and you get that really bad cramp? I need you to imagine that in your eyeballs, in your face, in your arms, in your legs, in your stomach, in your back, in your neck, in your head. Every single part of your body just cramps super bad. And let me explain a little bit about serines. uh, Serine, sorry. I don't know if I'm saying that quite right. Really quick. Really quick. Do what? Uh, We mean uterus owners. So female or male. So... There. Oh yeah, you yeah. anyone with a uterus. And I know Lola that, meant that, but like yeah. just wanna, I just want to <laughs> clarify that on that we know. No, you're good. Yeah. yeah. Male uterus. There can be male uterus owners. So all okay. uterus mm-hmm. owners. There you go. Uh, you know what that feeling's like. Yes. And you know how bad it can be. So mm-hmm. so ser- serene is a colorless, odorless liquid. It is used as a chemical weapon due to its extreme potency as a nerve agent. So exposure is lethal, even if it's a low concentration. So death can occur between one to 10 minutes after direct inhalation. One Uh, to 10 minutes. One to 10 minutes. It's very quick. Honestly, the fact that more people didn't die. That is is surprising. Surprising for sure. But, I mean, 5,500 were affected. I mean, and that number could have, that's an estimate too. It could be a mm-hmm. little bit more than that. So I wonder if like, they're not the smartest tools in the shed, right? Like, so they're not these like mad, yeah. crazy, smart scientists doing this. And so I wonder if a lot of the injuries, or not even a lot, if some of the injuries were from like mass hysteria, like trying to get away from the gas and like people being trampled or knocked down or... If that so, was part of the number? People couldn't get out of the subway for a minute because <laughs> uh, it was going. It was like active kind of thing. So so they like popped the bag and jumped out and the door yes. shut. And it- Correct. <gasps> so like in the, in the, the boarding, you know, like it, they give you a minute yeah. to board, you know? Uh-huh. So you can go on real quick. Yeah. Just at that first seat or so and oh. puncture the bag and then just hop on out, you know? Mm-hmm. So... Like I said, exposure to it is lethal due to suffocation from the respiratory system. Also, it causes paralysis. So that whole like shoving and pushing to get out is not really a thing. Oh. Because a lot of them were paralyzed. So when I say injuries, I'm not talking like, oh, I was cramping for like a couple of days afterward or I was hospitalized for a week. I'm talking about people were blinded. People were paralyzed permanently. People, I mean... They had cardiac and lung issues for years to come after this. So, oh my God. This was not a one time injury. This was a lifelong, I mean, this was like the death of certain parts of your body. So, it was, oh my gosh. Almost all of them experienced death in a certain way. It was horrible. That's horrific. And I want you to know this was not just like businessmen and women. These are people going to school. These are college kids. These are children. These are old people going to appointments. This is a typical like rush hour. Yeah. Time. Anybody and everybody. Yeah. Unless you get an antidote that's quickly administered, the effects are really bad and they can be lifelong. 
so a lot of them were, you know, choking and vomiting and blind and paralyzed and bleeding. And it was just, and no one knew because it's odorless and it's colorless. It looks like water in a bag. I mean, obviously they found out pretty quickly what it was. Also, another gassing had actually occurred. This was the year before in 94. It killed eight people and injured about 500. This was actually an attempt to kill three judges who were ruling over a case brought against the Alm cult. The three oh judges gosh. survived. Yeah. So, like, this, it was almost like a test run in a lot of ways. But, yeah, they also did just want to kill these three judges. So they attacked the judges first, and then they do this big... Pretty much, Train. yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. But the three judges, they all survived, thankfully. However, they were all injured, which is unfortunate. Did they use serine gas on that one as well? Do you uh, know? I, yeah, I believe I believe it was serine gas on, on these as well. That was like wow. their thing, apparently. Yeah. This was not their first time gassing <clears throat> a place. This was, I mean, they, they had done this before. And everyone who had gotten their way was also a casualty. So mm-hmm. a lot of death is happening. The group is being connected to so many deadly terrorist crimes, uh, you know, as well as all these other casualties and disappearances. So they were sentenced to death, <laughs> all the leaders of this cult. Because <laughs> there was a hierarchy. There right. was a hierarchy. As there is in many cults. You have the head person, of course, but they don't do the work. Right. It's carried out by, they have like, uh, executive people that are in mm-hmm. charge of that. And then they'll pretty much each person would be in charge of like a subgroup of like just followers. They don't have like mm-hmm. a specific title. They're just like basic followers pretty much. So Shoko, as well as six other leaders, I don't have their names, in the Om cult were convicted. Shoko, he appealed his guilty verdict several times. Like so many times. So many times. So all the rest of them, I I don't know if anyone else knows this, but in Japan, so like their punishment system works a lot differently than the U.S. Mm -hmm. So in the U.S., if you're put on death row, you could be there for 50 years. You could die of natural causes, you know? Before dying, you know, on death row. Yeah, but in Japan, you go straight to death. Like if you're on death row, you're not there for very long. I think Mm. the maximum is like maybe a year. Wow. Just depending on the wait list. So you pretty much go immediately after. And wow. So the six other people did die. They they were killed. <laughs> but he appealed it so many times that he was finally executed in 2018. It is 2023 right now. When did he when did they finally connect the cult to all of the to the the gas? Pretty terrorism? quickly. Pretty quickly. I mean, the cult wasn't really denying things. They were just like, hmm, interesting. And then, like, someone else would disappear. And when was this? When did the bo- the the gas um, release? In a- the gassing that happened on the Tokyo train station, that happened in 95. So a year before my lovely sister was born. 22 years, right? Yeah, it was like 22 or 23 years later, he was finally executed. So, I mean... That is unheard of, I'm pretty sure, in Japan. Also, he was hung because in Japan, they have different death things. that They they don't do like injection or electric chair, things like that. They 
this was death by hanging for him. I don't, does America use the electric chair anymore? I we don't, don't use it anymore. We use it anymore. We don't. Yeah. We just do lethal injection from what I know. Yeah. I'm pretty sure some states have, at least one, has reintroduced the firing squad for something. I think I read that. I don't know, though. Yeah, I cannot remember. Which is weird. The death penalty is just a whole other thing for me. That's a whole other conversation. Mm -hmm. It really is. Yeah, so he, he was executed by hanging. His last words were assigning his ashes to his fourth daughter, you heard that right. The fourth daughter. I don't know why. I tried to look up their relationship, but there's not really anything on it. And she doesn't talk about it at all. And Would you? I wouldn't. <laughs> well, and here's the thing. She fucking hated the guy. So why is he giving her I his know, I'm ashes. confused. Or maybe she didn't hate him, but she definitely was not cool with his cult. She didn't believe in that. Like her mother and her other siblings, some of them were like, yes, believe your dad. Yes, he's a good man. He's the God of light. You know, like some of them believed that, but she was like calling bullshit on it from an early age. So she told him, I'm just going to throw your ashes in the sea. Like his last (laughs) words were like, you know, I I want you to have my ashes. And she said, fuck that. I'm going to throw you in the sea. I don't give a fuck about you. You killed so many people. Like, you oh know. Oh, my God. She didn't I want anyone. I know. She's so badass. Like, really? honestly, I would love to get to talk to her. She's awesome. I don't want to mention her name. It is easy to look up, but I don't want anyone to bother her because, like, this was, it seems like this was hard on her. And she's oh, in. Yeah. She, People tried to interview her a lot, and she's pretty much said the same thing. Like, I just, I don't subscribe to that, and that, I didn't want his ashes. That's yeah. it. I don't want anyone to, like, try to reach out to her and, and bug her. Yeah. It would be cool to talk to her and see, like, what she thought about everything over the years and what he was like as a dad. But, you know, props to her for, for saying in the end, like, that was wrong. Mm-hmm. What happened was wrong dead or, or not. And, and for know? these people, like I want us to keep this in mind talking about these cases and moving forward with the podcast is it's easy for us to like pull out some dark humor jokes on these cases and kind of mm-hmm. like be a little crass from time to time because we are very um, separated from these cases and these people. We know that these people are real people, but it's a whole nother thing like ball game when you actually sit down and talk to somebody who was actually a part of the case. The next case that I'm actually going to be covering, I actually got to sit down and talk to the the victim's sister. And it's hard to describe like how it changes you talking to an actual victim of this case, of a case, um, especially when murder is involved. And it just makes you understand how conflicted these people's emotions are in the entire thing because they can still want justice and have the people that are a part of it, especially if they are their loved ones, to be held accountable. But they also, on the other side, have a really hard time with the emotions because that person is still related to them or is their father, is their mother. And it is, two things can be true at the same time. And so... If this woman is not wanting to be interviewed, let her be. Like we can learn a lot from the case and from cults in general. We don't need to drag her into the conversation if she doesn't want to be in a part of it. Yeah, that that was my thing too. Like with any of his kids, because I I did look up his kids. Mm-hmm. 
because if it is possible for us to try to reach out to anyone that was directly or indirectly involved that may have more information to give us more insight, that's just more education that can really benefit us. But at the same time, that's also treasuring up trauma that we don't have to go home with that Mm -hmm. night, that maybe they do, Mm -hmm. and maybe they're not past. So like just honoring and respecting those people because they're victims in their own way. So we just have to like... Yeah, and there are people (laughs) um, like BTK's daughter, like she's she's outspoken and and she talks and and she put herself in that in that position and that's very admirable for her to do and to speak out and she even wrote a book and stuff but yes admirable but not obligated no never obligated so oh if you guys want to know what happened with his ashes so his his wife and his third daughter who were the ones that really like believed in him the most from what I draw they contested the fourth daughter getting the ashes because they wanted to make a shrine for his followers to honor him. This is exactly what the fourth daughter did not want. So oh uh, and as of 2020, his ashes were still at the detention center that he was hanged at. I don't know where they are currently. And I don't think we need to know. So that's fine. Why? Okay, I'm that's very fine. confused. With what? Why would he give the whole thing? Me too. Right. Yeah. uh, Yes. The whole entire thing. But why would he give his ashes to his fourth daughter who hated him when he had a daughter who loved him and believed in the mission and his beliefs in him being the God of light and his wife, his wife believed in him. My thing is why not the wife? wife? I'm very confused. I would, if I were him, I would have said my wife. But like I said, I don't know the dynamic with him and his fourth daughter. Maybe they were really close growing up and then... Maybe she just didn't really talk to him much when he, like, got really big and yeah. stuff. And maybe he didn't think there was an issue. I'm not sure. So confused. that's something that we may never know. But why not your wife? Why not your wife, that's though? Weird. It's weird. But I'm glad that she doesn't have them, though, because I am, I don't want her to make a shrine. I don't think that's good. Like, I'm glad he gave them to the fourth daughter, and I hope she gets them. And I don't know. That's yeah. something with them that's... Not putting him into a shrine. Just ew. My last thing that I have for you is people still practice Om teachings. <laughs> that was going to be my next question. <laughs> Om Shinrikyo is still alive and well. Like I said before, it has been renamed as Aleph. I may say that wrong. Uh, it actually, I looked at what it means. All I found was it means ox in Hebrew. Huh? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Same, the same four practices are like cherry picked and all put together. It's not a bad thing to do that. Uh, They fly under the radar now for the most part. I don't know of any violence that's happened from them past the 90s, really. Mm -hmm. So by all means, just keep it, keep it peaceful. Keep it real. That's it. So that is the case of Shoko Asahara and Om Shinrikyo. Ta-da. Don't go start a cult. Don't do that. <laughs> Stay hydrated. Don't start a cult. Don't be a dick. Don't be a dick. Uh, we're here. We're queer. And we're kind and of... we're definitely fucking weird. We're definitely fucking <laughs> weird. <laughs> oh, my gosh. What? It's just a lot. That's a lot. That's a... It's a... It's a lot. It was heavy to do two terrorist things back to back. You did. But I'm I'm glad that I did because it really like 
it helped me kind of stay in that same mindset yeah. of like uh, this. Uh, I that don't know. One track of research, you know, it's I get it. Kind of, yeah, and like, like I said, with nine eleven is like trying to figure out how you get from something that's so peaceful mm-hmm. to something so violent. Mm-hmm. You know, it. Yeah, and that's exactly what he did, uh, and it was very uh, ambition's great. But goddamn, he took his ambition and just wouldn't stop with it. And it was just, (laughs) he went from one thing to another to another. And it was like very peaceful and like enlightenment. But I think he was a little hinky from the beginning because he was in jail for the whole pharmaceutical stuff. He was a bully. As a kid. So to me, he was a little hinky from the beginning. And I'm sorry, that bitch was not levitating. He was not levitating. Uh, Yeah, I don't know. He was not. No, because, okay, why is he... I'm sorry, if I could levitate, my first thought would be like, snap a picture of me. Also, why is there only one? Why didn't he levitate in front of all of his followers? I agree. I was trying to find other pictures, but all I see is that one. And his hair's upside down. So I'm like, are you are yeah. you upside down? I smell bullshit. <laughs> I believe that he took shortcuts. I believe that he took shortcuts in life, mm. which I'm a firm believer in the work smarter, not harder. But when you try to take a shortcut to finding your enlightenment mm-hmm. and because you want it so desperately, yeah. and when you take shortcuts on herbal remedies because you couldn't be a doctor and you want to be a healer so badly, like the shortcuts, I think, were his shortcomings. Mm-hmm to be honest. So I can see that. I think if he had suffered in a, uh, not, no, not suffered. I think if he had been like long suffering in the fact that like, I have this ailment and it has disabled me in this way. And I have these financial restrictions and it's disabled me in this way. And just worked hard and, kept doing his religious studies, I really think it could have turned out to be something Mm -hmm. better. But taking all the shortcuts, it seems, is what made him greedy, what made him violent, what made him (laughs) just so full of himself, really. I agree. Because like, shit, which belief was it? They're all running together in my head. But the belief that you are God and the universe is God and the things around you are mm-hmm. God is not full of yourself kind yeah. of thing. It's like a mutual respect for like the in- environment and self and others and animals. Yes. And it's like, uh, do you have a better way of describing no, this? I don't. <laughs> I don't know if I'm getting it across. <laughs> I, I hope I'm getting it across. And it's like, you can still believe in your own divinity without... <laughs> Without calling yourself the Almighty yes. or the Holy Pope or yes. the Tokyo Christ. like It's different when you're like, God came to me in a vision and I am the God of light. And that's, and it's like, you're trying to start a cult, a, an own religion, your own mission and have your own followers. And that, that that's not spirituality. That's control and manipulation and greed. Yeah. Honestly. I think that the lesson learned is when you think you have all the answers, you really don't. You just really yeah, you're you're going into cult territory the moment you're like, we have the truth or we have all the answers. Cause 
That's really, that is so true. I really hadn't thought about that, but... Even scientists who are like firm on certain things, they're like, but we don't know everything. And yes, this is our basis of, you know, knowledge right now at the moment, but it could change the more we learn. And so when you have that mindset of like being open to new information and shifting and changing as it goes, that is when you're able to grow. That is when you're able, in my opinion, to get to different levels of enlightenment. Not when you're like, I have this one truth and it is what everybody should follow. And if you're not part of the enlightened group and then you're an evil and we're going to murder you. Yeah. Yeah. And we can't ever dictate our own enlightenment is the thing. Like we can't decide like when it's happened kind of thing. Uh, I don't, I think even for the, the, the spirit, the soul, the person, the whatever that has reached the full enlightenment, like they have fully leveled up. I don't even think that they would say I've leveled up because I think leveling up to the top part is being that lifelong learner and that person that's constantly trying to think of ways to better themselves, the world around them, and to do it in a respectful, honorable, safe way. <laughs> yes, yes. As we were talking about this, this is going to be our palate cleanser. As we were yes. talking about this, I was thinking, okay, I guess I take that back. My spiritual journey right now is more in a sense focusing on and learning more about the world and those around me than it is about a spiritual journey to understand life after death or like ultimate truth or whatever that is. I want to learn more about life and love that people experience here on earth along with the hell that we experience day to day and give knowledge and space for those things as we're walking through those without putting all my focus and energy on getting to heaven or avoiding hell. Because I spent my whole life with those two goals in mind. And all that did was not let me focus on who was in front of me and who was around me and what was around me and the earth. And, and so that's my spiritual journey is the world around me and those around me and growing. See, you get to reframe it however best serves you. Exactly. Isn't that nice to have that control over your own spirituality? fucking man. Yeah. Hell yeah, brother. (laughs) (laughs) Mic drop. (laughs) Please don't drop your mic. We're so poor. I just just like tapped and dropped like, (laughs) no, yeah. (laughs) Well, I guess that's it for us on this episode. I guess that's it. Yeah. And so we'll see you guys for another episode next week. We love you. Thanks. We love you. Bye. Bye. Also, Heathens, if you're enjoying the show so far, please remember to subscribe on whatever platform you listen to us on and leave us a review because your salvation depends on it. No, I'm just kidding. But seriously, leave us a review because we would absolutely love it. Deadly Faith is brought to you by Choircast Network. It's produced by Lacey Bean and Lola Robbins and audio engineered by Eric Howe. Thanks for listening. Thank you.